0: So we have come to a time today, you know, let me just say this before I get into it. And, oh, there's no marker up here. I'll write it over here. We're getting in, this year, I think God has been putting on my heart the idea of culture. What is the culture of our church? You know, any good organization has a strong culture. Whether, you know, one, one of the churches I talk to, one of their cultures says, we want to make sure everyone comes on time to church. That's one of their co- things that are a part of their culture. So one of the things that God has definitely and clearly put on my heart, and I'll write it big down here, is that we have to be people that give. And I'll move back over. We have to be people that give. And so the last few weeks, I've been talking about the idea of giving. We have to give of ourselves. When people think about church today, that's not what they think. You know, the question people will ask is, what did I get out of church today? Did church feed me today? But I want us to shift our mind when we come to church as to be, what am I willing to give in church? And I think, by the way, we have a picture of a guy, for those listening online, who is consuming lots of money. We're just greedy. We have become, you know, greedy as a society. We want more money. But that greed of society has trickled in the church. You know, like what do businesses do? We meet the consumer. And so because of that, people feel like in church, I should be met. My needs should be met when God's thinking was never like that. Our society has seeped into our churches. So even today, you know, there was this clip from John Christ I was going to show it. where he, this is a Christian comedian. And he's making a joke about going to try to find the right church. And he says, should I go to the uh, Church of Christ church? No, they won't let me wear my pants if I want to wear pants. Uh, What what he was saying was the idea that like, you go to a church and you think, this one will fit me. No, this one will fit me. Basically, the idea that when we think about church, it has to fit us. And I want us to shift that. I want us to shift. I want us to think when we come to church, what am I coming to give? I think God is interested in that. Like when, when we think about what I get from church, we become the center of church. When we think I want to give something, God becomes the center of church. I need to give something to God. You know, I think there's something about maturity. When you mature as a Christian, that you want to come to give. So the question that we're dealing with today is this, let me move it back over here, is how do we begin the process of giving? When Say I want to start, say I'm someone that's interested in a heart to give, where do I even begin giving, giving to God? That's the question that we'll be dealing with today. So if we'll take a few seconds to chat together, I'll share what God put on my heart and we'll go from there. So let's get into the text for today. The text will guide us because I think the text has some wisdom for us. John 15, verse 1 through 8 says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in, in where? In me. 5-8 says, I am the vine. What does it say? I am the vine. Not everyone's reading it. Ready, one more time. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my word remains in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So we're looking at this text. What do you all observe from the text as it guides us as we answer the question, how do we begin the process of giving? What do we observe in this? One thing I'll say is, one thing I notice is it says, um, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. So one of the things that we give to others is fruit. What do I mean by fruit? You know, think about this. Have you all ever been to a tree that has produced some sort of anything? You go up to it, you pick it, and you try it. Like, we were on a walk yesterday on a trail, and a lady was picking a berry from a tree. So we all looked at it, and we we're like, what is that? And so we took it off, and it was this blue kind of, it looked like a blueberry. So then I squeezed it, and like she was trying it, so we were like, maybe we'll try it. And we tried it, and it tasted like pepper, like black pepper. So, we didn't know what it was, but how did we know what it was? By trying it. So, what we have to recognize for a moment then is, you know, when people taste of us, what do they taste? When they come and encounter with us, they're trying to understand what is this person, who is this person? And in their dealings with you, they get a taste. One thing you recognize is this. Those who abide in Christ bear fruit. If you are not giving, there could be a problem. So where does the giving begin? It begins in proximity to Jesus. Here's the answer to the question that I have for today. You have to abide, remain near and stay connected to the Lord if you want to do anything of value of giving. It starts by being near to God. You know, the world has a technique of giving, of changing. You know, when we think about this, like, let's think about the fruits that God has to offer, right? The fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self control. So if I wanted to bring that fruit so I could bear it to others, we have to change. Some of us are not the most patient. Can you agree with me? And if we're not the most patient, we think, okay, what are the steps to change? And humans have models of change, right? We have, you know, this is Cotter's eight steps for change. You create urgency, build coalition, develop vision, communicate the vision, empower others to act. Short term wins consolidate and anchor change. This looks complicated, doesn't it? Now, do I know one changes? The one way Jesus asks you to change is what? Just abide in Him. That's all you need to do. As you remain near to Him and close to Him, there is all of these things come there. When you abide in Him, He changes your vision. As you abide in Him, you realize, oh, the way that I react is not the way Jesus reacts. Maybe I need to change. So let me encourage you, abide in him. Where do you begin the process of change, honestly? Abide in him. You know, it's interesting. Throughout the Bible, he, this has been like a theme throughout the Bible. You know, when Jesus picked his disciples, you know, they were, they were washing their nets, right? and they were doing their normal duty, Jesus didn't walk up to them and say, hey, go read the Torah. He didn't say, hey, go obey my message. What did he say? He said two words. What was it? He said, follow me. He said, if you ever want to be a disciple of Jesus, you have to be near to him. And I want to encourage you today I think we lack so much strength in God. We lack so much effectiveness because we don't spend time near God. We'll do the religious duty of spending time with God, but I want to encourage you, He wants you to want to be with Him. You know, if you even think about Genesis, think about Genesis for a moment. He made the world, made everything so that it works towards our favor, so that we could spend time with Him. Every day He would come down to spend time with Him. God wants us to abide with Him and to remain in Him. And as we do that, genuinely, if we will spend time with Him, we will give. This is His promise in John chapter 15. As we abide in Him, fruit comes. So if you're lacking giving, if you lack being a light to the people around you, maybe you need to spend some more time with him. Maybe you need to abide in his presence. Smith Wigglesworth was a beautiful example of this. Even you know, hearing even this morning, I was reflecting on some of his stories, and I, I was looking up his stories. Sometimes his stories are like almost like legend at this point. like, I don't even know what's real, but I'm going to hold it as real, right? And one of the stories, a pastor said he was going to a funeral. And so he took Smith Wigglesworth with him. And so he starts talking to the, the pastor starts talking to the grieving family as they're getting ready for the funeral. And all they could hear is a thud. And then they're like, what's happening? And then they hear a thud again. And then they go to where the body is. Smith Wigglesworth took the body and threw it on the ground and said, wake up. And he threw it on the ground again and said, wake up. And the the family walks in and they say, what are you doing to the dead body? He walks in and he still has not come back and he commands it, that body to come back. And he drops him one more time and the man wakes up. You know, I was thinking if that was me, I would like, you know, I would have done it once and be like, okay, I tried God. I tried, it's not working. I, I guess he's not meant to come back to life. But he had such a conviction and a boldness. He bore fruit. And they said, like that day, that guy came back to life, so the funeral ended up becoming just a a, a normal meeting where they sang hymns and listened to, to testimony. But where did this man get such boldness? Where did the fruit come from? It was his deep connection with the Lord. It said he didn't pray more than 30 minutes, right? We think we have to go spend our time underneath 30 minutes. He said he never, by the end of his ministry, spent more than 30 minutes praying, but he never went more than 30 minutes without praying. He was in constant communion with God. He had a constant relationship with God. And so I encourage you today, if you lack bearing fruit, if you lack giving, spend time with him. That's all he wants. And as you spend time with him, you change. The vision of your life changes What matters changes. You know, so much of us, this matters because we're so caught up here. Our eyes fixate here, so all of this matters. But as you gaze on Him, you realize this is just a few years. None of this comes with us. Our relationship with God is everything. So let me encourage you, if you want to be someone that gives, where do you begin the process? Near Him. Abide in Him. Remain in him. I looked up the Greek word for remain, and it's interesting, there's three layers in the Greek. I believe the word was meno or something like that. And so there was three components of what the word remain meant. By the way, this is Smith Wigglesworth. So the first component of remain is location. To remain with God, you have to be mindful of your location or your space. You know, one thing I always tell my students is that your desk is a representation of your mind. So I actually make them at the beginning of the year, put their notebook in the middle of the desk. You can have one pencil on one side, one calculator on the other, nothing else is allowed on your desk. (laughs) They're always like, they think I'm like extra for doing that. Well, when you're sloppy and you have your backpack on your desk, you have extra papers. Like I always tell them, an organized desk is an organized mind. And I want to encourage you, where you spend time with God matters. Don't think if you're sitting at your table and you have your phone here, or your TV's going, music playing on the side, you can focus in. You genuinely think, you know, when Jesus spent time with his father, do you know what he did? He went away. He went to an isolated place to spend time with his father. So I want to encourage you, if you want to spend time really and remain in God, sometimes you got to go away. Because you learn something, the space is a representation of your mind. This, when you do this, you're saying, God, I want to put all of this to the side for you. You are my one desire right now. And yes, my phone may ring and that show may be on or that game is on, but I'm putting all of it to the side and it's just me and you. You know, even in the scriptures it says, when you want to go pray, go to your closet and pray because there's nothing else there. So if I could give you one piece of advice from this text of remaining, find a place to go away and abide in Jesus. Find a space in your home. I'll encourage you, don't make it your bed, you'll fall asleep. Don't make it with the TV around, you'll watch it. Put your phone away, find a space. I'll tell you this, you know, you know, I just followed what Jesus said and I go to my closet and I pray. And I remember there were some times where I have the most stress of my life and I, I feel like there's a rock, I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place and I don't know what to do and I'll go to that space you know, what's interesting is that space becomes like a sacred space. It's almost like you're consecrating. That, that becomes a holy ground. So, even this week, I want to encourage you find a space in your home where you can go away because where you go matters. Your location matters. The next, pro- next part of the word remain was time. You know, I want to encourage you don't think. You can draw close to God without giving your time. Don't think you can abide 10 minutes and begin to give. You know, we think, God, I spent 10 minutes in the morning. And we feel like, man, I did something. But really, you learn this when you really love something. You just want to spend more time there. You really care about it. You get lost in it. You know, I genuinely I think love basketball, which I think why God wants me to give it up. And you know I you know I know I love that? Because sometimes I'll be doing drills and it'll just be like time just goes. I get lost in the art of basketball. I know that sounds crazy and I'm sorry, but I love it. And that's how God wants you to be with Him. When you really love Him, it's not like you're saying, okay, God, I need to finish my reading praying, and then I'm good. It's Man, I, I wanted to spend time with you. Even if you don't do anything for me, God, I just want to spend time with you. Like the Smith Wigglesworth example, like maybe it's just five minutes, but man, I just want these five minutes with you. God wants us to love him to the point that we give him our time. And the difficulty with time is time is one of the most precious things we have. You know, after Zion goes to, so I wake up, we wake up at 5.30. The day is nonstop. I'm getting ready for work. We have to get the kids. I come home by 4. I'm sorry, 4.30 or 5. From 5 to 8, I'm with them. Life does not stop. And then at 8, we finally get them to sleep by 8.30. You are tired. It's 8.30. I don't want to necessarily be working. Because sometimes it does feel like work. But one thing God has been challenging me is, can you give me the sacred time that's yours? This little bit of time that you have that I know you have a right to do what you want, can you give that to me out of your heart? And even this week I've been doing it and it's like nothing happens. Like I sit there and it's, it feels like, what's the point? But I just keep reiterating this verse over and over. Be still and know that I'm God. Be still and know that I'm God. And he reminds me. He reminds me in that. He reminds me that I don't have to work too hard or he reminds me that the best place that you can be is in his presence. Not just because of a song that you say that. Genuinely, the best place that you can be is his presence. So I want to encourage you the practical tip I can say with the idea of time is don't just limit God to discipline times, but times where you just want to be near him where you have nothing else to do and you're maybe about to scroll on your phone and it's like maybe just listen and say, God, I actually want to just take a few minutes to be with you. I'll end. There's one more component of the word remain. We'll end with that. And the last is a state of being. A state of being meaning what? Like to remain with him is to keep him close to you. Like when you go somewhere, he's like a friend. You know, like Enoch, you know, you know why God loved Enoch? You know what the word was? What did he do? He walked with him. You know, God wants us to keep him so close to us. It's a state of being. So to remain in God means when I walk, I want to hold him near me. And when difficulties come, I hold him close. And when joys come, I tell him he wants us to be close to him. That's difficult because we live in a world that there's so many visual things that the invisible God is hard to keep near. But that's what it means to remain. When you remain with him, even in the midst of what's happening, man, he loves it. And guess what? You begin to bear fruit. So even yesterday, you know, we were driving back from Oklahoma. I'm sorry, Austin. It was a three-hour drive. This is my last drive, and I'll be done. The last, so from the one and a half hour mark to 30 minutes, so for about an hour to an hour and a half, Micah did not stop crying. Literally at the top of her lungs crying too. And I remember being like, oh my gosh, like, you know, there's like a vet problem inside of you, like for you don't know, those who don't get it, like a, a, like a stress. Like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. But then I thought, okay, it's fine. God is with us. She's healthy. She's fine. As long as she's not like dying or something like I'm not worried, but you understand how easy it is to get agitated. When you let him not be near to you, it's so easy to get frustrated. So I had to just stay calm and remind myself, God is with us, it's okay. It's okay, it's okay. That's just one of the stressors of life. You talk then about, you have stress with coworkers. I have stress with students, we are stressed with different things and everything wants us to take God away from us. And what God wants of you is just be close to me. Draw me nearer and nearer each day. Keep him so close to you. So the practical advice I can give is hold on to Jesus in your situations. When there's the stress of the world that all you can think about is the stress or the worry or the hurt, hold on to him. Keep Him so close that even if people put you down, man, I got God with me. That's better than anything. And maybe something comes at you, I got God with me. It's okay. Keep Him close to you. And as you do that, guess what? His promise is, as you abide in Him, you bear fruit. As you abide in Him, you know, there's a beautiful thing that it says, He prunes you. Let me go back to it. What does it say? He cuts off every branch that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. So as you keep Him close to you in your location, in your time, and how you keep Him close in your situations, He's refining you. He's making you better. And as you do that, you bear more fruit and more fruit. And all of these things begin to change inside of you. But the key is this, you have to abide in him. Stay close to him. So that's my encouragement for you for this week, right? How do we stay near? I need to go all the way through. How do we begin the process of giving? Stay near, stay connected, and abide near to the Lord. And as you do this, here's his promise, which you can hold him to, you will bear fruit. Here's the scarier part to this. If you don't bear fruit, if we don't abide in him, you know what it says will happen? He's going to cut off the branch and it's going to go in the fire. You know, this is not a question of good Christian, bad Christian. This is a question of walking with God or not walking with God. Getting to eternity or getting to eternal damnation. We take a lot of these things lightly, but let me encourage you, if you are not giving, there's a problem. We as believers, if we are in him, must be giving. And this is not me saying I'm perfect because I don't do this perfectly either. But it's saying that let our life, we are the offering. You are the offering to God. So stay near him. And as you stay near him, you will bear fruit. You will know what you need to be giving. So that's my prayer for you for this week. Um, Think about that this week. Can I put a location that I can go even in my home so that I can separate and be with God, away from distractions, away from the stress? Can I dedicate some time to God? Because even in the midst of the busyness of this life, the one thing He values more than anything is our time. And finally, can you just keep Him close in your situations? Can you abide in him in your situations when the world wants to separate from you, separate you from him? Can you just keep him so close to you, like Enoch? Walk with him, and you will bear fruit. So, think about this this week. And my encouragement and my hope is that as we do this more and more, our church will look more like Jesus. All of the negative things will be pruned off, and people stop seeing you and they see the qualities and the fruit of the Spirit inside of you.